0: Thank you, everyone, for joining with us in worship this morning. It's why we're here. It's to worship God. It's not to be entertained. It's not even to learn. Believe it or not, there's better ways to do both of those things. It's the community. It's to be together. It's to come together as a body, to raise our voices, to focus on God. So as we go into this next worship song, take a second to focus your heart on why we're here. We're here together to lift up the one that chose us. I wanna ask you all to have a seat, except for the kids. Kids, it is time for you to be dismissed to kids' life. We will see you later.
1: Thanks, guys. It just dawned on me while we were singing that that this is the kickoff to the season of victory. I don't know if you guys, yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this was the first day of Advent. And the cool thing about Advent is it's a whole celebration of anticipating Jesus' return, his coming as Savior initially when he was born in a manger, and his next coming when, in the end, he wins. And that's a great thing to celebrate. And in that spirit of celebration and that season of victory, hang with me here. It's not a stretch, I promise you. But in the this, in this season of celebrating, I want to tell you about a couple things that we have where we can celebrate this hope that God has given us. The first is next Sunday, first Sunday lunch. Nothing better than celebrating with food. Amen. So because chili was such a big hit last time, we're bringing back the chili and soup. Christmas cookies, if you guys want to make any cookies to bring. Amen, Juan. Juan. <laughs> You can sign up to bring food on mylcc.info. And then also, okay, again, not a stretch, celebrating by using the gifts and talents that God has given you to serve his people. If you're looking for a way to do that, coming up in December, December 11th, Monica is going to be meeting with people after the service to talk about how you can use the way God has wired you to serve his people. And if you want to go ahead and sign up let us know you're coming on mylcc.info. We'll be sure to let you know, remind you that that's happening. And then finally, we can celebrate by sharing our resources, and I'm talking about financially this time. In um, this season, we have uh, Giving Tuesday coming up, and it's a great time to just give financially to people who are making a difference. And I'm gonna invite Jenny and Armando up, They're gonna talk about one of those ways that is near and dear to our hearts here at LCC. Um, I'm gonna post on my LCC a number of different ways. If you're interested in giving on Giving Tuesday, there's our roof fund, the Hilliard Food Pantry, and I'm gonna let you guys
2: talk about the other one. Good morning, how are you today? Can we try in Spanish? Buenos dias, buenos dias. How is the Duolingo app working for you? Everything good? <laughs> great. Okay, we are so glad that you are here and we are uh, having a mission moment uh, during the service. Uh, first, I want to talk about a matching fun opportunity for the Honduras pastor. Uh, what we are doing here, we are trying to help them to get motorcycles. Uh, this is a great deal there. Uh, if, if you have been there, you know that they live in the mountain and it's so hard, hard the transportation down there. down there. Um, right now we have the opportunity. if you whatever you donate, they are matching um, what you are giving, and on this way for Christmas, they are having some of them that don't have any transportation. Uh, they can have a motorcycle. Uh, if you want more information about this, or if you want to donate, um, you can go to uh, they, they have to hear here in the 217. Where do you have to go? My, My LCC, that info Amen. Okay, the second and more important thing, um, we are here with Jenny. And we want to know more about her today. And God is doing something on her life, and she is going to help us in our church, and you are, you are going to discover in a few minutes how. Okay, first, what is your name? Um, if we have to know something about you, what it should be, if you can share this with the body.
3: Sure, Um, so good morning. I'm Jenny Lobb. I have been um, coming to LCC for about five years since I first moved to Hilliard with my husband, Sean. Up there this morning and And we have a three almost four-year-old named Andrew Um, and I work um, as an educator for OSU Extension which means I get to teach health and wellness classes all over Franklin County including in the food pantry so I've been teaching at the food pantry for over a year now and it is um, if I have to um, I, I shouldn't play favorites, but it's definitely one of my favorite places to be.
2: Great. Now, in what position are mm-hmm. you jumping in and, and how is this uh, beneficial for our body?
3: Yeah, so um, Dan approached me recently and asked if I would be willing to serve as the food pantry liaison for LCC. Um, And I said yes, Um, I'm happy to do so. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm already connected with the staff over at the food pantry. Um, And so I'm going to be jumping into this role. Um, And I think what it's gonna look like is convening a team, um, people who are interested in being involved with the food pantry. I know a lot of you already are. Um, but if you are involved or if you are interested in being involved, I'll kind of be the point of contact, um, helping to communicate opportunities to engage in, um, you know, sharing what we're already doing over there.
2: Now, if we want to help, if we want to pray for you, mm-hmm. in what ways or how we can in the next month be praying for you and helping you in this new role.
3: Yeah, so um, if you want to help, you can serve during their service hours. I know some of you are already volunteering in that capacity. Um, You can teach um, if you are interested in doing that. I'm happy to help set up classes if you have um, a skill you want to share with our neighbors. Um, And you can just show up and attend classes. Maybe you don't want to be the one teaching. Um, You're welcome to attend any of my classes. My next one is this coming week on Thursday. Um, I always cook and provide tastings, so there's that. Um, but you um, can just be a friendly face, someone to help um, you know, practice conversation. A lot of our um, neighbors who visit the food pantry don't speak English. We have Spanish speakers, we have Arabic speakers. Um, and so just being someone who's a friendly face who can help people practice conversation in a you know, non-threatening environment is great.
2: Right. And you say that you have food involved, right? Yes.
3: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Something
2: to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this, this is a hard question. Mm-hmm. What to do with the leftover from Thanksgiving? Oh, goodness. Any <laughs> advice that you have for us? You well, know?
3: don't donate to the pantry. <laughs> <That'll be laughs> you want to eat it, freeze it, throw it out within the next couple of days. Um, but if you need some recipes, I'm happy to share ideas.
2: Okay, this, <laughs> is, this is good advice. Yeah. Okay, just don't donate to the food pantry (laughs) and and I'm going to ask some fast questions you can answer with uh, with Mm -hmm. one answer because we want to know you too we want to know uh, and I when the finish end I am going to ask some of you what was her answer okay okay fast what is your favorite color red red favorite football team OSU (laughs) okay favorite place to go here in in Ohio
3: the metro parks.
2: Okay, if you, have, if, if you have the option to go any place in the world, what should be this place?
3: Oh, oh this is hard. It is hard, yeah, I say Seattle, Washington has always been on my bucket list. I've never been to that region.
2: Okay, Chown, if you want the Christmas gift, <laughs> you know. Okay, I just want to invite you to stand up and say hi to someone. Uh, this is the moment, a good moment to bless someone. You s- we as a Christian bless one another, you say, God bless you, I bless your family, I bless everything that you are doing, and you are giving the time to Pastor Dan.
0: Okay, go ahead and have a seat. How is everybody doing? Good morning to you on this Thanksgiving weekend. Um, my wife and sons are up in the Akron Cantonary still, so I dressed myself this morning. so can I get applause for that? Thank you very much. It is a challenge it's a battle it is so um extremely grateful though to be here with you today and to um you know we are a, a We're grateful that we're a community of believers that's trying to live life together, trying to look to Jesus, uh, to trust him each and every day. So if you're new here today, we want to welcome you. And I just want to say, let's address the elephant in the room, right? The game yesterday. Let me just say one thing. I cannot believe that Mexico lost to Argentina. I mean, come on, Mateo, come on. (laughs) All right, 35,000. 35,000, that is the average number of decisions they say, sources say, we entertain in a day. 35,000 decisions. Many of those decisions come without even thinking about it. They just come kind of naturally. They're made in response to the obstacles or dangers or opportunities that come our way. Um, We see a hole in the sidewalk, right? So we walk around it, it's a decision. Uh, We see traffic up ahead, we reroute to another direction. Uh, my brother used to put his, his credit card in the freezer, right, to avoid impulse spending. I don't know if that works anymore with the chip or not. Um, we plan to go to the gym, right? After last Thursday, we make a decision. We're going to the gym now, right? Speaking of Thanksgiving, has anybody seen the turkeys? Okay, okay, because they were not on the tree last night next to my house, and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> Whew, okay. In my neighborhood... I, when I walk in warmer weather, I don't walk on the southwest side at night because it's skunk corner. There's skunks all over the place. So when I take Eddie, I've got to be really careful. It's another decision. 35,000 decisions in a day. Some, again, we make without thinking. Others, we're careful about. Those things that are important to us, right? We carefully plan those things. So today, we're going to continue our journey through Proverbs, and we're going to we're going to address an area that demands our attention today, and um, I want to just give you a little warning because on this Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to talk about the area of adultery, okay? What better week to talk about things than the week of Thanksgiving? So parents, we just want you to be aware of this, of this content. Uh, for those who are new today, Solomon, who's king of Israel, he's the author of much of Proverbs. He's been passing on wisdom to us as a father does to a son, and today, that we're going to receive some of that wisdom, which gives us some pretty clear warnings of, of times and situations to avoid. And if you're thinking, well, didn't we just talk about this a couple weeks ago? We did some of it. Uh, the reality is, in Proverbs, it's all over the place because, uh, to be honest, this is an area, our sexuality, that matters to God, and it should matter to us as well, um, Before we jump into the text, though, I just want to share three things. I think these are important to understand as we look at uh, our sexuality and look at marriage, especially in in the times that the Bible was written. Um, First, marriages were often arranged in that time. Second, marriages often were based on economic, social kinds of considerations. And third, people got married at much younger ages than today. Today in the U.S., there are... Way less arranged marriages, although it still does happen. Uh, we see an emphasis on romantic love as being like the primary driver for marriage, right? And there's typically a period of singleness, legally even, that lasts much longer than it did in those days. Those are important things we have to take into account. It's also really beneficial for us to take a step back and to see what is, God's, what is God trying to communicate with our sexuality and with marriage, Okay. So I just want to share something with you. This is from a pastor and author, Ray Ortland. He wrote this. Listen to this. This is profound. Marriage is divine creation, pointing to something beyond us, a man and woman falling in love, committing themselves with lifelong vows of faithfulness, uniting sexually, living life together till death do us part forever. It's all pointing to the mega romance of Christ and the church in love forever. A man and a woman committed in love display the ultimate story of the Son of God coming down to win to his heart with great suffering a bride from the wrong side of town. That's us. God created the universe for the purpose of telling that love story more than any other reason. That is why our sexuality matters, whether married or single. Just being a man is a gospel privilege. Just being a woman is a gospel privilege. What we are about is the gospel that is why we need to learn gospel sexuality. Okay? So we start with that knowing that what God has made is beautiful. He's declared it as good, His design for sex within marriage. But the truth is, this world says, and this fallen world, it's not enough, it's limiting. This world tells us that if we're not pushing way past those boundaries, then we're missing out, and there's something wrong with us, right? That's the message. I really hope you'll see today the love that is behind God's design and God's wisdom in this area of life. So in light of that, are you ready? Here we go. Proverbs 6, verse 20. Proverbs 6, verse 20. And here's how it starts. Very similar to a lot of the chapters we've looked at so far. Solomon says, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. Put them where you can see them. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. So this wisdom is meant for life in its totality, for all moments, whether we walk, whether we sleep, whether we're awake, when we breathe in his commands, when we live in his commands, they will actually talk to us. They will guide us. Verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To preserve you, from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. To preserve you. This, this word in the Hebrew means it means to put a hedge around you, to guard you, to protect you. That's what the commands are. The commands, in other words, they're, they're preparation. And to live in them and to know them and to live them out is to be prepared, it's to be ready. So, in that sense, they're like a guide us. So, so they, they preserve us from the smooth tongue of the adulteress, the adulteress being someone who's married but is looking to unite sexually with someone outside of their spouse, a woman in this case. And Solomon warns us in verse 25, do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes desire often starts with something that we take in right with our senses usually our eyes it enters there and it ends there unless we linger on that unless we feed that if we feed that desire it grows it grows and it it works its way to our heart, to a place where we become captured, right? That someone else has, has taken ownership of us, of our hearts. And Solomon's wisdom is the wise person sees beauty, right? And yet that beauty is, is inconsequential. I'm moving on. I'm turning my gaze. I'm, I'm preserving myself. I'm living out God's wisdom. I'm building a hedge, a wall of protection, Now, quick word. In this passage, a woman is presented as the adulteress. It could just as easily be a man seducing a woman. The situation may be a little different, maybe not. But remember, this is written from a father to a son, from a king, Solomon, who had grown up as the product of adultery, right? Tom talked about this a couple weeks ago. David was Solomon's father. David was married to someone else. Bathsheba was his mom. Bathsheba was married to someone else, Uriah. And if you remember, David crossed the line when he saw Bathsheba, who was someone else's wife. The Bible says he saw her, and she was beautiful. He saw her bathing. And lots of questions come up. What what was he doing on the roof where he could see her? Why was it in the evening? We'll talk about that in a second. David, though, he could have walked away. He could, have, he could have said, I, I'm moving on. But he lingered, and desire entered his heart, and he became captured. Now, for Solomon, I'll tell you, the apple did not fall too far from the tree because Solomon had his major issues in this area, right? He wrote in Ecclesiastes, he's pretty frank about the fact that he explored this area for meaningfulness, he says, right? He pursued it. He pursued sexual fulfillment outside of God's design. And yet, Solomon also has a book in the Bible, Song of Solomon, where he talks about the beauty of romantic love between a husband and a wife. He's a complicated character, right? And God uses his experience to teach us today his wisdom. Now, the Bible gets pretty specific about the path and the outcome of illicit desire, desire that's outside of God's boundaries. And in James, James tells us that it's not God who tempts us when this comes, all right? But each person, this is James 1.14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. So there's kind of a formula here. You can see it, right? It's desire, right? It's desire unchecked. And it grows, lingering on it, feeding it, engaging it. And it gives birth. It grows to to giving birth to sin and sin to death don't be deceived. It's true. And Jesus informs us this, this can all happen without any physical contact, right? He says in Matthew 5, 28, Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with, lust, with lustful intent already, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So in this case, the desire has grown. It's been allowed to grow to the point to, of lustful intent, which is adultery. This person it's lowered their defenses. They're not prepared. They've gone, in a sense, all the way in their mind, and they're captured. They're owned. I, I call it the cloud, okay? And I, I call it this from my own life and what I've seen and, and from others who I know, right? The cloud is the place where, where um, sense and reason leave, and desire starts to call the shots, right? It starts to take over and it captures us. Now, notice the end of verse 25 there. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. This could imply, like, the eye, she's, her eyelashes have makeup. They're made up. It could also imply a suggestive glance. In this case, it could be both. She's a woman, though, who's looking to seduce. Now, I want to address men and young men in the room here and online. This is an area of temptation that we've got to be prepared for, we've got to expect. And we know, we know how how it is in our world now. We know how powerful the images are, how powerful, how this has just gotten out of control. It's it's a driver for our society. What will your response be, men? And women, this is for you too. Are you prepared? Do you have a plan? Now, men are typically prepared known to be more visual than women. It's not that women are not, they are as well. Women are typically known to be drawn to emotional closeness. It's not that men are not, men are too. And then you throw pornography into this mix, which has confused and it's degraded the landscape of relationships, of gender, of sexuality, for both men and women. Honestly, I think it's one of the most incredibly harmful forces that this world passes off as what? Inconsequential. No consequences. I think the devil is behind it, 100%. It destroys relationships. It confuses gender. It elevates, here's what it does. It elevates sexuality to this idol, to where it becomes the end goal, right? Now, regarding eyelashes, women know this about men. No one has to reveal parts of their bodies for desire to grow in a man's heart, right? It can be eyelashes. It doesn't have to even be that. It can be thoughts. In fact, even just merely the discussion of this topic for the unprepared person can lead to desire growing. But even though men and women are very different, the ability for desire to reach the heart, illicit desire, And for it to grow and give birth to sin, it's universal. Proverbs 7 could be written from a a mother to a daughter. So do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Verse 26, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. I bet you did not think you'd be looking at a verse like this today. <laughs> uh, Solomon here, he's addressing the, um, the social, economic consequences of adultery, of prostitution. And there, he's pretty clear here. There's greater social, economic costs to adultery than there is to prostitution. Whereas an encounter with a prostitute will cost you money... Solomon warns, an encounter with a married woman will cost you everything. It will bring destruction. Now, to make it clear, Solomon's not saying, hey, if you're going to choose, choose the lesser one. Go ahead. He's addressing the social consequences of what's coming here. Because in God's word, we see consistently that both of these have a devastating effect on the soul, on our souls. And the world says, why? What is so bad about this? What's the big deal? Two people behind closed doors, consensual, or I'm looking at pornography, I'm I'm alone by myself, it's not hurting anybody, right? We have to come back to God's design. Because there is an exchange that happens when we choose to engage with another person in this area sexually. There's an exchange. Because as we know, God's design for marriage is what? A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And that is a great thing. That is a wondrous thing. It's from God. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Tom did. It's good. It's good for a married couple to engage and to become one with each other. There's something mysterious in it. There's a union that, that God ordained it to be. But Paul says this about taking that outside of it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? In other words, your bodies belong to Christ. As Christ followers, our bodies belong to him. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Then we get to verse 17, which we're going to come back to and close on today because it's profound that it's in the middle of this. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Therefore, he goes on, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. What price was that? Christ's death, his resurrection. So glorify God in your body. In Christ, our bodies, they're his. If we follow him as Lord, we give that over to him. And oneness in body was designed for one place for marriage. To join with a prostitute is to experience or, or anybody it's to, outside of marriage, is to experience oneness in body with that person. You now belong to someone else. Not only that, when you join with a person who is married to another person, you're destroying oneness that God intended for that couple. That's sacred. That reflects the creator and his design. You've taken oneness. You've become a part of that. It's not, it was never intended to be. That's why Solomon's warnings, as he continues in chapter six, are so stern. Can a can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. And he goes on a little bit farther, verse 32. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. He lacks sense. He, he ruins things. He brings destruction to his life. There are irreversible consequences for our sexual sin. Some of us can look back at our history, right, and we can see our, our family tree, and we know, Oh, that person, whether it's, it's, it's grandpa or, or it's great-grandma, whatever, that, that was the person who, who committed adultery. They broke out. It's still there. It, it, it goes on. It affects generations to come. But the cross is greater than the sin of adultery, right? It's greater than the sin. But that doesn't mean that there's still not consequences that come. Now, Now we're going to turn a little bit and get to chapter 7 because Solomon is now, he's going to restate a little bit of what we just said, but he's basically going to tell a story of this kind of lived out, okay? So stay with me. Chapter 7, verse 1. My son, this is going to look very similar. My son, keep my words, treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commands and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on a tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, you're my closest sibling, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Sounds very similar, doesn't it, the last part? That word keep you is the same same Hebrew word as preserve in the last chapter, to put a hedge, to guard, to protect. And then here's the scenario we get to, verse 6. Telling a story here. For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. A young man lacking sense. He's not prepared, he's not living in God's wisdom, he's inexperienced, he's easily led astray, he's able to to just live, he lives naturally, according to what comes naturally, right? And we know that the Proverbs are for all, but definitely for young people, right? We go back to chapter 1. The Proverbs are there to give God's wisdom, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So we've got this young man lacking sense, and this is what the young man does. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. Lacking sense, he goes near the place she is. This is significant. This unprepared person is going to this place near her corner, and this is the first mistake when it comes to temptation, right? It's going near, going near that place of temptation, wandering near it. Most of you, uh, as Buckeyes, I had to say it to shoot, uh, Buckeyes fans know um, former quarterback Arch Leister, right? You know, his battle with, uh, he, he was a quarterback, he, he battled with addiction, uh, gambling addiction and fraud. Um, and he relapsed, went back to rehab, relapsed, went back to rehab. It's been a lifelong thing for him. At one point, he went to, to rehab, and you know where he went for rehab? He went to Las Vegas for rehab, Okay. And not surprisingly, he fell quickly again after that. Why? Because the first mistake when it comes to temptation is to go near the place of temptation. So I ask you, what are those places for you? What are those places of temptation? You know them, right? Some are actual places, physical. Some are virtual. Um, What are those places? How are you preparing for those places? So the young man is near her corner. He's gone to the road by her. And then in verse 9, he goes in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And this is the second mistake, choosing the peak time of temptation. Because the twilight, the evening, this represents the time when sin is covered, it's hidden, it comes easier. When often people are alone, there's the ability for people not to see them. David arose in the evening when he encountered Bathsheba. Job tells us, in Job 24, verse 15, the eye of the adulterer also waits for the twilight, saying, no one will see me, and he veils his face. So it begs us to ask the question, what what are the times? What are the times? Obviously, night, but there are times when there's darkness, there's times when we're alone, there's times when, when you are at work and someone comes by. There's times when you get online. There's times when you have, you're alone and maybe you encounter something or read something that, that brings out desire. Right? What are those times? What are those places? All right, the story goes on. Proverbs 7.10, And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute. Wily of heart. There's a word you don't hear, often wily, wily of heart. And if, just to note here, if you go near and you go at the right time, sin will come. It'll find you, right? She's wily of heart. That means she's guarded in her heart. She's guarded. She's not guarded in her, in her, with her body or her dress. She's guarded of heart. And it's just the truth that there are, um, there are people who are broken uh, for various reasons because of their past or whatever, and they are like this. They are, are guarded with their hearts, but not with their bodies. Verse 11, she's, she's loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. That's a reference to her taking her sexual desire outside of, of uh, her house to others. Verse 12, now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait, she seizes and kisses him, and with a bold face she says to him, aren't you going to wonder what she says? I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows. Okay, I had to offer sacrifices, and today i paid my vows. She's, what she's communicating here. she's offered the sacrifice. She has the appearance here of doing the right thing. She's, she's God-fearing, right? And generally, after you offered sacrifices. There was food left over. That's why the NIV translates this. Today, I fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. And this woman is, is, in a sense, she's luring this young man with this big meal, with the illusion that she's God-fearing. She's got extra food to share. And it sounds ludicrous to the reader. We read it, and we go, that's like hypocrisy. That's, you're going to offer sacrifices? But that's what happens in the cloud, right, of this. When you give your heart to it. it, you lose sense of reason. You lose a lack of sense. And the desire calls the shots. And she continues to, to just present this as though it's the perfect moment, like it was meant to be. Verse 16. Oh, I missed 15. Let me go back. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, And I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband, so she's married, not at home. He is gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. That's how she knows he's going to be gone a while. And at full moon, he will come home. And with much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And she's, she's basically communicating some things here. One, this is perfect. This is the perfect scenario for you. My husband's gone. There's food. Two, this is all about you. I'm seeking you. I, I'm after you. Three, there are no consequences. No one will know. And those are lies, all of them. And they're the same lies that, that would happen in this kind of situation today. They're the same lies we see with, with pornography too, right? We say, oh, it's, everything's perfect. It's all about you. There are no consequences. No one will ever know. But in our world, studies now show that the porn rewires our minds with addictive power. It takes us prisoner. And there's only the power of the Son of God, his resurrection, that can transform this, that can bring us back to and bring redemption to this area. But remember, step back and say, this all started with what? A lack of sense going near the place and time. Verse 22, let's keep going. All at once, he, the young man, lacking sense, follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast. Till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him, it will cost him his life. It'll cost him his life. He's like, like in a sense, an animal here, right? He's... Just doing what comes naturally doesn't even see the trap when it comes. Okay, that's the story. Now, Solomon gets us back to the point. Verse 24, and now, O sons, listen, listen, pay attention. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray, do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, to the grave, going down to the chambers of death. So Solomon, is, is, he goes back here, he steps back to the beginning. Let me take you back to where the problem began, right? Listen, pay attention. The commands are everything to live according to, to know the commands, to keep them in front of you, to bind them, right? Write them on your heart. And what that means is prepare. Prepare for this scenario. So this is how we prepare. Verse 25, he says, let not your heart turn aside to her ways. So we have to guard our heart. So how are you preparing? Again, you know best when, where the temptation is, and you're going to have to make the decision. And I say this to all young men who are growing into their sexuality, right? You're going to have to be prepared. You're going to have to make the decision. I'll help you, but ultimately you're going to have to make the decision for this. I, I've shared around here a lot about my journey um, I was caught, caught up in pornography, especially when the internet went rampant. Um, I finally dealt with it uh, in, my third, in my early 30s. I dealt with it. Uh, I was not prepared. I was not ready. I was not training. I, I had to learn. I had to learn how to train my mind. I had to learn to identify the places. I had to learn to cut off desire and not just do what comes naturally. I had to learn. I had to learn to train my eyes. You know, it says in Matthew 6, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. I had to learn to train my eyes to not linger on, and on desire. And it's a battle. I have to, It continues to this day if I don't keep God's commands in front of me. Job said in Job 31, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So I had to learn techniques. Like, there's a reason when I, if I'm talking solo to, to a person of the opposite sex, there's a reason I talk about my family. I talk about my kids because that's a hedge. It's a way to build protection around that relationship. But that, that was all new to me. I, I was just living according to desire. And I had to learn to replace desire with something else. And I, I tell, tell people who are struggling with this, figure out how to leave that desire. Go run. <laughs> Go do something busy. You know, in Galatians 5, we're told, for you were called to freedom brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. There's an alternative, right? Okay, I'm going to step away. I'm going I'm to call a friend. I'm going to see if I can help somebody. I think it's good for us to be active and busy and Doing things. Oh, there's a time to step away and to rest and to be with, to be with God, right, and to grow. But idle time, which is what David had when, when he, if you look back at it, he had idle time. He had sent everybody else to war, and that's when the temptation came. So guard your heart. Secondly, protect your steps. Name the places. Name the times. Proverbs 5.8 says, keep your path far from her don't go near the door of her house and i just want to want to say to you if if today you are you find yourself in this place where you're you're stuck in pornography okay you've been you've been engaging in it and you don't know how to get out i want to just say to you will you continue to protect an area of life that brings so much damage Will you continue? And if you're in, in, in another relationship, if, you, if you're in a relationship that's on a brink of an affair, will you continue to put yourself in a position like that? So protect your steps. You can protect your steps by inviting brothers and sisters in your small group into this space. This is a hard one, Right? It requires a, a, an amount of, of letting go of pride, and, and it c- requires an amount of humility to say, listen, I did it yesterday I did it. I knew I was coming back, okay, and my, my wife and sons are in Akron. I knew I was coming back. I have an accountability partner. I sent him a text. Hey, would you ask me tomorrow morning about how that went? Would you ask me? Because that, I've just learned. That's, I've got to do that. That's, that's so important. To, uh, to me having victory that someone else knows about when I'm alone, uh, when I'm in, a, in the time of when darkness, during twilight, whatever it is. So it, it, we have to kill our pride with this. We have to kill our pride. We're meant to walk together. There's not anybody in here who's not s- struggled in this area and who's messed up in some regards to this area. So let's just kill the pride together and say we need each other, right? We need each other. And then, finally, preserve your future. (laughs) There's warnings again and again. Think about the consequences. For those of you who are single, think about your future spouse. Think about your kids. Think about the generations to come. We don't see it, but it's a fact, and we're warned about it here. It affects our future. So a little bit of application as we close up here. Um, This is for all of us. This is for God's wisdom here. For all of us, but it is, for, it is for young people too. This is absolutely written for you. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Get experience. Understand what God says in this area. The world will present an alternate view of sexuality to us. A different view than God's. It'll tell you sex is everything. It is the ultimate fulfillment. It is the end goal. It will have, sex will bring everything for you. It'll have the illusion of bringing life. But the reality is the opposite. It is crushing outside of God's plan. It begins a process of death. It is bondage. It's not freedom. And parents, parents, notice this all through Proverbs. He's saying, listen to your mother's instruction. Listen to your father's teaching on this, right? There has to be dialogue. We've got to talk to our kids and not give them worldly wisdom, right, about this, We give them what the word of God says about this area. It's yours to pass on. Wisdom is actively preparing for temptation. It's guarding your heart, protecting your steps, and preserving your future through living in God's commands. And something just to think about as we wrap up here. Christ's forgiveness is real. It's real. And he is waiting if you're caught in pornography, if you're caught in an affair, whatever it is, he's waiting for you to come. I was told as a young man that this area, this our sexuality, more than any area in life will make me realize my need for a savior and someone who can transform, and that is absolutely true. And I think it's true for all of us. This area is a huge one, and we do so little to prepare for it, right? We just let things come naturally often. Christ came, if you're you're caught in this, Christ came for you in this. He came for sin. He came to deal with sin. If you're stuck in pornography, there's hope. Jesus is waiting. He's waiting. But you have to take a step. His forgiveness is so much greater than our sin. His power is so much greater than our sin. And he's inviting you to life with him, life to the fullest. Our sexuality is not the end goal. Back to 1 Corinthians 6. The end goal is our oneness with Jesus Christ. Oh, God gave us the gift of intimacy, right, between a husband and a wife. But there is a stronger and more complete oneness that happens when we're connected with Christ. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. That's the treasure above all Treasures. Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit making his home with us. So let's pray together about this whole area. God, you are the end goal. You are the end goal. And we long. We long for your return. We long for you. to ultimately make things right. And we look forward to the day when this battle is, we have to fight, is gone. But God, we will fight it because we belong to you. And though in Christ, in you, God, you have forgiven us, you've forgiven our sins, we still, we want to live the life that you've called us to live. We want to, we want to confess. We want to be restored, as you've called us to do. We want to be dependent. God, would you kill our pride? And God, would you release, even in this room or whoever, whoever's watching online, bondage that happens? Would you set new paths? Would you help us love each other in this area? Oh, we love you. Oh, we long for oneness with you. We know it won't be long. And God, as I also want to pray today for our sister, for Linda Haynes. I want to pray as she battles this cancer in hospice now, for that oneness to be alive and for the peace that you provide to be with her, with Jeff, with their family today. It's just another reminder that our time here is short. And what is eternal is what matters. We love you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Before we let you go, we just want to remind you about our first Sunday lunch next week. Make sure to dress up, dress nice, because we are going to be having free pictures, free portraits for you all. We will see you then. Have a great rest of your week.